There you go. She's free from sin. Amen. Okay. What are you free from? Loneliness. Loneliness. Come on. That's a deal, you know. Loneliness. We don't need to be. We don't need to be. What's that word? When you you're you're, tat, you're attached to somebody, codependent. Code, we don't need to be codependent anymore. Yes. You know because that can cause problems, big problems. But then when you realize if everybody left you in the whole world, you're still okay. Yes. Because <laughs> you got him. Oh. oh who else? Oh man. One lady said. One lady. She said, "Well." She said, I just never want to go anywhere or do anything without my husband. And I understand what she was saying. But I thought to myself, one day one of them could, could leave. And she better be careful what she's saying today. Your words are very important. In fact, uh, Jerry Savelle's daughter was quoted at camp meeting this past year about two times. Because she said, if you can't say, and that's the way I like it. After, about what you're saying. About what you're saying. Then check and see if that's what you should be saying. You know, I don't know what's wrong now. I just, just eat, eat, eat all the time. I just can't stop. Well, that's the way I like it. <laughs> you understand what I'm talking about? You know, I just can't believe. I mean, just, ah, oh, they always call me. They always put me in. And that's the way I like it. <laughs> I never get a good parking place. You know, but that's the way I like it. <laughs> so, oh. But I don't park close anyway because I don't want any nicks on my car. And so I'm always way out. And that's the way you and like when, it. And that's the way I like it. <laughs> and when Shelly and the girls have to borrow my car, they always go, Mama, why do we have to park so far? And they go, oh, yeah, Mama Cindy. And that's the way she likes it. And that's it. the way I like it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But tonight, oh, tomorrow night I know I'm going to pray for the sick. But tonight there's something else in my heart. Y'all can sit down. Lois, do you want to share something first? I'm open to the, I'm open. We had, it's something real important to every believer but more important for the world because it's important for every believer. Thank you, Jesus. But Shoddy Chase is here. Anybody know her? Do you know her? Molly Shoddy Chase. From Praise the, the Lord. The, 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 Missionaries Emeritus. You, Say what? Missionaries you never met Shoddy? Emeritus. Okay. 35 years ago. Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was. They, we were over at their church in the Philippines many years ago. Did we go to Raymond the same year, 7980? I think we did. Yeah, yeah. We, and We did, and Paul kept asking. He asked us to come to the Philippines for 15 years. Because <laughs> people, you know, people say, well, you just go everywhere. I said, well, I wait until I know it's the right time. And it was the right time. It was an explosion. Miracles all over the place. Your, your, your conga player was a, 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 in the mafia there, you know, and his, his hands were, were, were crippled, crippled from getting shot. And he, he said he was getting ready to tell you guys that he had to step down because he couldn't play anymore. And in the midst of everybody running around the Just room like and this running on chairs and... All of a sudden, his hands just got healed. Another lady comes in on a walker, and all of a sudden, she's off the walker. All the Filipinos are running on the chairs because well, there's not what, enough you room. That the first place we were, the room was so small, there was no room That's the first to place move. we were at. So they wanted to move so much, they got up on top of the chairs and started running around. And that, listen, <laughs> and that, and that night, and that night in that small place, we did go to the big building. Same thing happened. Yeah. But they, and they'd never seen anything like that. And so sometimes, like when a pastor says, take your freedom, then I think, oh, well, they've seen this before. Take your liberty. Take your liberty, you know. And then we, uh, what they do is they bring us in to shock everybody, I think. Because if they told me that nobody knows, I'd probably, okay, praise the Lord. Let's, uh, 
But so what happened is, so we're ministering, and I'm ministering down here, and Lois goes off, and she throws up, and then I, then she comes back, and I go off, and I throw up, and then, you know, we're throwing up. Now, that, that had back. nothing to do with the move of God. No, it didn't. But I mean, that I was think, just because I we had it, something funky it, to eat. I think it. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. It had we, nothing to do. We were we fighting a good fight. The next literally. time we came back, we were what ready. We, man, we were ready for peels that you know did something to your stomach so you don't feel anything. Oh God, we were like, where's our faith? And so, so, but what happened is, is that uh, there was so much going on and uh, people were falling out and people were crying and people were, people were getting healed in their seats. And, and I'm, so I'm giving her a call and I gave one call, but before I gave the call, there was a girl sitting there and I said, you get down here. And I do this all the time, but it's the Holy Ghost, but I don't know it. I'm just moving. I'm going, like, and so I, and so I give her the mic and I say, you just follow me and do what I do. Pray with me. And so, um, and then all of a sudden, I know Lois was going on, and she was just, and I said, sing, sing, her, sing what she's singing. I don't know if she sings. I just told her to start singing. So she's singing with her. Now, this girl, after the meeting, we find out, now, Shadi, what, what's her name, that, this girl that I pulled out that I had no idea who it was? The, uh, I have no idea. Yes, you do. Okay, it, she was the most. She's one of the most famous singers. She in, uh, she was married to somebody. They had a TV show, Pops. Uh, Pops. Pops. That was it. Where is Shelly? Was, was it Pops? Pops? Well, there is Pops. Yeah. There. Wasn't she a family member of one of your members of your yeah. church? Yes. yes. Well, see, unbeknownst to me, she was on her way <laughs> to do the show with her husband, who was like a David. Well, that's all right. Anyway, you know, she a was Tonight on... Show guy. I didn't know this, kind but of. she called him and said, you know, because the traffic is terrible there. She called him and said, I just can't make it there because some, she said something was pulling her to the church. Do you remember, I remember that? Okay. So I'm just, I'm telling, she's praying with me. She's singing with Lois. And she told me afterwards, the, 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 the relative told me afterwards, on her way to the church that night, she said, God, if I did even try to serve you, how would I do? What would I do? Come on. Come on. Now listen, I'm talking about the anointing and the gifts of the Spirit. You say, well, I don't do this just in meetings. It's every day. It's, it's a, a sprouts. I walk in and it's, you have an appointment with someone here and I went, okay. Because I always think, man, I'm walking in somewhere and it's going to be hot when I get and I thought, okay. So I start in the vegetables, and I'm working myself over through the cereal, and you know, asking, talking to people, and talking to people, you know, about the Lord, and da 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 da. And I'm almost out the door, and I'm over at the coffee place where they have all the fresh food, sprouts, you know. And so, hey, I just recognized you. What are you doing sneaking in here? Okay, like that. Another one of our volunteers, another one of our guys. Man, everybody's coming home. <laughs> everybody's roosting. They're coming home anyway. And so. Um, and so uh, I finally got over it. I'm almost out the door. There's no place to go except part of the cookie stand that's sitting there. So I'm, I, I, I lean over to the girl behind the thing and I said, listen, I'm a Christian. And I said, do you need prayer? And she went, what? She said, would you please hold my, would you take my, take my thing, take my thing, please? And she came around and then she just started crying. I'm telling you, the gifts of the Spirit are for us to work, operate all the time. Because we're anointed for that. It's the anointing that destroys the yoke. Now, Lois doesn't like when I name drop, but I'm going to do it. We were with Andrew and um, his wife, Walmack, Jamie. We were there preaching in their school, their school when they first got it. And uh, we'd gone up to the mountains. We saw his house and stuff. We'd ate a place there. So then I, I turn around, and everybody's walking out. And all I keep hearing is, talk to the waitress, talk to the waitress, talk to the waitress. And I walked out, and I thought, well, maybe it's not that important. You know, maybe they were all wanting to go. And then I thought, yeah. I got to the door, and I came back. And I said, listen, I'm a believer. And I said, I need to know something. I said, is there anything I need to pray about? And she just started crying. She said, I'm a Pentecostal girl. My mother just died, and I didn't get to tell her about it. I've been not living with Jesus. She needed somebody. That's the anointing. 
That's the gifts of the Spirit in operation. It doesn't matter. You can call it what you want. Just listening to your heart. Listening on the inside. People need you. You say, well, I need people. You, they need you. I'm going to be okay. I know who I can go to if I need to. I'm fine. I don't need to be propped up by anybody. I'm good. But somebody else needs you because they don't know what we know. And if they did, then they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. You obviously don't know what I know. Sometimes during praise, I'm thinking, I don't think some of these people know what I know or who I know. It's like, and I don't really care that much you know, about, I don't try, I used to try to get people to praise him. And I said, Lord, I'm not going to do that again. If they don't know who you are and they don't care, I'm not going to tell people to praise you. They're just going to have to praise you because they know you and they love you and they want to know you. The anointing on the inside goes, I can't help it, Lord, even if it's a half mass. I'll take it. Even if it's... But something. When we're free, we're free. Do you see the way they act in those games, at those football games and, and basketball games and stuff like that? And they're just all over the place. And I'm thinking... Lord, you did a whole lot more. Or you go to a kid, one of your kids' games, and you're just like, Yeah, George, I told you to get, go ahead, go ahead, go, go in a second. <laughs> I'm thinking, it's just a game. And then you come to church, and it's like, It's not a game. It's not a game. It's not a game. It's not a game. It's life. And it was given for you. And there should be something. When I see him face to face, it won't be the first time that I've bowed in his presence because I was overwhelmed with heaven. I'm overwhelmed with heaven right now. Sometimes I even see heaven. Sometimes I've seen, and lately I've seen him more and more in our services. Oh, because that's where I live. That's more real to me than anything in this world. More real to me than the chair I'm sitting in up there. It's more real to me. And I want it to be more real to me because I want to do something for other people. The closer I am to him, I can hear the anointing destroys the yoke. Lois, go ahead and share something. I've got this little Oh, I'm not through. (laughs) I've got this little book by Corey Ten Boom called Marching Orders for the End Battle. Has anybody ever seen this book before? Corey Ten Boom was a, a, a survivor of the Holocaust. And uh, her, she, her family, for those of you who don't know, I'm telling this so you understand, this book is not written by somebody who just went to school and learned a lot. This book is written by someone who lived what she shared. And she was... Uh, uh, she used to hide the Jewish people because she was a Christian. Her family were Christians. And they, um, one day a man came to her and said, I have, my wife is, is in uh, jail and, and because of her faith. And, and, and there's a, if you give me so much money, I can give it to the police and they'll release her. And so she went and got all the money she had so that she could give this money to the man so he could get his wife released. Well, it was a bribe it, that he was giving to them to try to determine if she was helping the Jews and he was lying to her and he deceived her and because of that her father uh, died because of his faith her brother her sister in the same concentration camp that she was in and so she she herself never wanted to spend her life talking about the things of God it was her sister who had the vision she said their theme would be victory and the love of God. And she said, people will listen to us because of what has happened to us. And Corey didn't have that, but she took it and she made it her heart's cry. 
And she became a voice for many years, in her later years, well into her 80s. And she told people about the vic- Jesus. She would say, this, I love this one. She says, we know Jesus was victor, Jesus is victor, and Jesus will be victor. Now, you know, you can say that when you're, you know, sipping lemonade on the back porch. But when you come out of a holocaust in a situation where your sister was, has died and you saw her, your, your family, your whole family was affected because of her faith in Christ. Tell me, I want to hear what you got to say. Because I'm telling you, the person, the person with the experience always has the advantage over the person with an argument. And so in this, she says a lot of things. I want to read just a couple things out here before we get into a little more of our nonconformist battle cry. If you weren't here this morning, you have to, that's from there. She said, the devil accuses us night and day. He likes to push you into dismay because he, he knows you cannot then be strong. But the word of God says to us, be strong in the Lord. He can give us this command because he himself gives us his strength. Isn't that good? What did we talk about this morning? God's working in you. What's he doing in you? Every moment, every second of your life, whatever is necessary to cause you to be able to live out the will of God, he is in you to make you willing and able to do it. That's what he's in there to do. You're not trying to get that. You got God working in you. You got it. And then she goes on, but listen to this. You think you got something new? You just woke up. I'm telling you, it's the same story. You don't need to come up with something new. You just need to learn what's true. It says, sin makes you insecure and weak, but the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Oh, I love this. Then she goes on, the devil is like a lion, but remember, he is chained up. Jesus is always conqueror. All we have to do is see to it that we remain in good contact with him. And then his life of victory will flow through us and touch the people around us. Our everyday life is our battle place. Come on, I ain't giving up this ground, devil. Oh, and then she says this. Nobody can serve two masters. It's either one or the other. The decisions are becoming clear cut. But we have this great comfort. I love this. That God has shown us that he has a plan for this world. Listen to this. He has no problems, only plans. That is why there is never a panic in heaven. Glory to God. God has no problems, only plans. That is why there is never a panic in heaven. There is a plan from heaven for this hour and wake up, uh, my brothers and sisters, you're it. What did we say this morning? You're not just hearing a message. You are the message. You are the ones on whom. In fact, it's what, uh, now, are y'all okay with a little bit more than just a jump and shout thing here? I got to read you something because we're talking about men and women who in the Bible refuse to be shaped by the culture of their world because of the word of God that moved into their life. They were unashamed and they moved boldly. These were not men and women who were great men and women, but these are men and women who served a great God and the God that was working in them did great things through them. I'm going to say it, but John Osteen used to say, tell people what you think they already know. Hallelujah. So God is doing something great, great examples in the word of God in the Bible in Acts chapter 17, verse 26. The Bible says from one man, Adam, this is the passion translation from one man, Adam, God made every man and woman and every race of humanity. And he spread us over all the earth. He sets the boundaries of people and nations determining that. Their appointed time.
times in history. Oh, come on. God has a plan. Determining their appointed times in history. In other words, you're not here by accident. Let me tell you, I don't care who got you here, how you got here. God is the author and giver of life. And he does not have any problems, only plans. That's why he's not a panic. He's not in a panic. You are not a problem. You are a part of the plan of the living God. He has determined your appointed time in history. In Acts chapter 7, it says this in verse 17. Uh, it goes, it's talking about the time of the promise that God had sworn to Abraham. And as the people began to multiply, Acts 17, another king arose who did not know Joseph. And so that this man, this king dealt treacherously with people, opposed the forefathers, making them expose their babies so that they may not live. It didn't seem like there was anything, any reason that anything good was going on. In fact, it was a rough time. You understand that's what he's saying. But then he gets down to verse 20 of Acts 7 and it says this at this time Moses was born. At this time, Moses was born. I love this uh, translation. It says, I think it's the Amplified. It was at this critical time, Moses was born. Woo! Woo! God has appointed the time of your dwelling. And it's a critical moment. But I'm telling you, at this critical moment, you, my dear brother and sister, have been born. Come on, come on. You're waiting for somebody to show up. What did Gideon say? What's a, where are all the miracles that you talked about? Our fathers told us about where are they all? And the, the, the angel of the Lord says, Gideon, go in your strength. The Lord will be with you. You're looking for somebody to do something. God's looking at you saying, get up and go. Praise the Lord. And so it's a critical moment and appointed time. I love this quote. I, I heard it somewhere. I wrote it down. I never forgot it. When the first men and women who went to the uh, first men who went to the moon were asked what they thought when people called them heroes, this is what they said. We were given an extraordinary opportunity at an extraordinary time. They knew it was a moment in history and they were the ones that had stepped on the stage Now, what are they going to do? They said, we were given an extraordinary opportunity at an extraordinary time. And God is saying to you, I have appointed you at this moment in history, at this critical juncture. Yes, you read about the men and women before, but Hebrews 11 verse 3, what did he say? We have learned that, I love this, I'll read it to you out of Renner's one more time because I want you to get it. Through unrelenting, never give up, bulldog faith, a faith that never lets go. We understand that different time periods, different ages in past human history have been radically altered and changed by those who receive and stood by a word from God. Come on now. Come on now. The devil has no plan. He's just trying to stop the plan of God. That's his, that's, that's his, you know, the Bible says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief, he comes, he's, that word is klepto in there. In other words, that's just, that's all, you know, he's just over and over and over. I got to do it. I got to do it. I got to do it. But Jesus said, I have come. I have come. Right in the middle of the thieves destroying, killing, and stealing. I have come that you, the same people the thief destroyed, killed, and stole from. I have come that you may have life and have it. What did he say? More abundantly. You know what that means? Listen. That's right. That means. That means there's more healing than sickness. There's more healing than sickness. There's more joy than there is discouragement. There's more love than there is hate. And the truth is, 
it's in you. It's, there's what? More money than there is. There's provision from God. Oh, glory to God. Through, there's more provision than there is lack. I'm telling you. And so, now, I, listen, okay. Many years ago. Oh, I wish we had a bullhorn to stand on the top of the world and it would go all over the world at once. Many, many years. Many years ago, we were traveling on the East <laughs> Coast. Somebody got the interpretation <laughs> for that. Oh, go ahead. You can get it. All right. Many, many years ago, we were traveling on the East Coast, and we got, I don't remember how it got set up. Somehow, I think it was just as we went, we got a phone call to ask if we would sing for somebody at this church. I think it was in Massachusetts, I believe. That was right. It was on the East Coast. So we went, and this person that we sang for, his name was George Stormont. Now, you may not know who that was. You do, but, you know, George Stormont. Okay, George... So George Stormont was a, uh, con- what do you call it when, a contemporary. George Stormont was a contemporary of uh, Smith Wigglesworth. Have you ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth? Smith Wigglesworth, Smith Wigglesworth died in 1947 and God said, I need to send Cindy. That's the year she was born. Okay. So. So anyway, he was a contemporary of Smith Wigglesworth, and he, Smith Wigglesworth told him to go to the United States, that he would have a part in sowing the seed that would bring revival to the United States. And so he's at this church in Massachusetts, and we get asked to sing with him. So we're there, and we're singing, and afterwards, he shared what I'm going to share with you tonight. And it so affected my life. I don't think I took notes. I never forgot it. And it really, it spoke to things in my life that really, I didn't even know it was speaking to. You really don't know what's in you until you live out what God's told you to do. You really don't. You say, well, you know, I'm, I'm a teacher, I'm a preacher, I'm an evangelist. No, you really don't know what you are. Lester Summerall always just said, if you're a banana tree, you will grow bananas. Quit trying to figure out what you are and just do what God is at work in you to do. And as you do, then the gift, you don't choose the gift. The gift chooses you. You understand? Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I'm the one that determines where you are. Quit trying to figure out who you are. Just be a blessing and give what you have. And it will begin to be seen in you. And let me just tell you, if what you're doing doesn't bless the church, you ain't doing it right. Don't shout too loud now. If you can't say amen, say oh me, as my brother, dad Hagen would say. Let me just tell you, if, you ain't, if you're, what you're doing is not, a, is not helping the local church, then you're not doing it right. You say, well, my grandma thinks I am. Well, you know, that I love your grandma. But according to the word of God, the gifts are given to the church. And they're given to the church to strengthen, help, and build up. And cause things to be stronger. In the, if what you're doing makes the church weaker, you're doing it wrong. So, you know, guess what? If you made the wrong choice, just make another one. Praise the Lord. God's a worker. He'll give a greater work of grace. And so, anyway, he tells this story. And when he tells this story, he reads it out of Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. And as this is the story. Remember what Acts 17 said. At a critical moment in history, at a critical moment, Moses was born. Well, now Moses, it's been, you know, he's out now. He's left Egypt. He's now out uh, tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. And as he's out in the backside of the desert, uh, um, he comes to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appears to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. I will now turn aside, Moses said, and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside, God called to him out of the midst of the bush and said, 
said, Moses, Moses. And Moses answered, here I am. Oh, thank God. You know, I'm going to tell you, I don't care what it is that God is talking to you about. You have to answer him right where you are. Just right where you are, brother. And we could talk about that a whole nother sermon, but we won't. Right where you are, in the middle, Moses had left Egypt. He was on the backside of the desert watching the sheep. I don't really think he intended on having a life-altering moment with the very presence of God that day. But right in the middle of what he thought was going to be his routine for the rest of his life, everything changed. And I'm here to tell you, my dear brothers and sisters, that men and women are getting wake-up calls from the Lord God Almighty today. This is not a time to pay off your Toyota and sit on the back bench because, you know, there are reasons you I can't go into that I can't do it. No, I am here to tell you at this critical moment, you are here. It is your day. Don't say no come on if you just say yes everything changes if you just say yes instead of no sit down all right so this is how we get to a story of a man who went from no to yes and so now remember George Stormont is reading this and he's talking about Bringing, I mean, here he is. It's you know this this the ball is rolling, brothers and sisters. I know you think you just you know something's really happening now, but I'm telling you, it's been happening. You just turned the right channel on. It's been broadcasting, broadcasting. Jesus is alive. Death, hell, and the grave is empty. That sound has been going forth to the ends of the earth for a long time. You just happened to tune in, and when you realize, if you really want to get some momentum in your life. Hook up with the ones who have said it before you heard it. Hallelujah. Oh, that's a whole nother story. That would be you. And I'm, you know, we all, yes, that would be him. And so, so he says, uh, Moses, Moses answered, here am I. And this answer began to change everything. Change everything. Now I'm telling you, I believe with all my heart, listen, We're in our 44th year. And there are things we are doing differently because we want to do what we do with all of our might. So we're not going to do as, you know, the same thing and just do, you know, less. If we have to, we are targeting where we can and cannot do things. And we are going strong. And we believe that God will strengthen us for all that he has called us to do. You got to keep moving. You got to move toward what you know is true. If you give up, I'm telling you right now, before long, the the devil's not just trying to just stop you. He's trying to bury you. Oh, but you can take what he meant to bury you and you can use it to carry you to a new place. That's what I'm doing. How about you? Yes, that's me. Praise the Lord. So he says, uh, uh, so he said, here am I. And then the Lord said, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals for where you are standing is holy ground. Oh, this holy ground. This is the, the ground holy because of the presence of God. First time this word is used in conjunction with a person. And here he is. He said, I'm the Lord God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face. He was afraid to look. The Lord said, I've seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Bring them out up from that land to a good large land flowing with milk and honey. The place of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Pezzarites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Hey, you don't know I could say all that, did you? Therefore, behold the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. I have seen the oppression with the Egyptians oppress them. Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring. I like how he says, my people. I woke up in the middle of the night hearing God say, bring my people out. These are my people I'm talking about. 
And he said, I will bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So here it is. Here's the gauntlet. It's been thrown down, thrown down to Moses. And God has said, I am going to deliver this hour where bondage has reigned, freedom will rule. Now, come on, Moses. I'm calling you. Now, the gauntlet has been uh, thrown down. And tonight, I'm here to tell you, it's been thrown down in some people's lives tonight. Thrown down. This is a day of great, of great deliverance. And God said, I am going to do it. Now, what are you going to do? And here is the conversation that most of the time, you may not say it out loud and you might, but somewhere along the line, you'll probably have some of these thoughts. And I love the fact that it's in here because God has an answer for every one of your reasons why it cannot be you. And the, he starts off with this. He says to him in verse uh, Exodus chapter 3, verse 11, Who am I that I should go? Who am I? Here is, I don't know why Moses said this, maybe because of his past failures, uh, maybe because he was older than he thought he would be when he was doing something like this. I don't know, maybe it's because he thought he had wasted too much time. Too much time. I like what William Carey says, expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. That's really what God is telling Moses. Don't just expect me to do something great. Now you go out and attempt something great. Come on now. But Moses says, who am I? It's not unusual for people to feel that way. You, you, you say, well, I'm just inadequate. You feel that way because you are inadequate if it depends on you. But it doesn't depend on you. Hallelujah. In fact, God answers Moses. Come on now. You know, it's God answers Moses. I got to go. He said, I, I'm talking to myself. He said, I will be with you. Come on, I will be with you and this shall be a sign to you. When, not if, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will serve God on this mountain. Who am I that I should go? And God says, I will be with you. This word that he says here, he, when he says, I will be with you, how does he say? He goes on and he says, that, that this he's telling him, I'm not just the God who is. How, 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 let me read it in here. I want to read it in my Bible here. I am. He says, what, what, uh, he says I will be with you and you will serve God on this mountain. Moses is so aware of his inadequacies. Let me just tell you something. Every person, what did we tell you this morning? Every person who does anything great for God does it not because of their awareness of their insecurities, but because of their dependence on the ability of God. Listen to me. You all have insecurities. And if you hear what God is saying to you and you judge it in light of just who you are without knowing who God has made you to be, you will back off. Because you think it depends on you. It doesn't depend on you, does it, shoddy? No, it depends on the one who says, I will be with you. I will be. How many years were you in the Philippines? 40, that's what I thought. About the same, yeah, 40 years. Hot dog, brother, I'm so glad. And they're not, listen, they didn't, you know, pack up and leave and it's all over. Honey, it's bigger now than it's ever been. It's moving because there is a move of God. What we say this morning, when God's talking to you about moving, you just remember he's already on the move. He's just looking for somebody who'll move with him. All right, so the first thing he says, who am I? But what was the answer? God said, I will be with you. Come on now, I'm giving you the answer because I know you're going to say this. And so then he goes on. I love this. Uh, you know, Hebrews 13, 5, I'll give you your New Testament. I will be with you, Scripture, lots of them. But Hebrews 13, 5 says it this way. The Lord, he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you so that we may boldly say, boldly, don't be wimping out now, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. You know, that is the answer to fear, knowing the Lord is your helper. He is with you. The Lord is my helper. 
I will not fear. What can man do to me? Oh, listen to the Amplified Bible. I got to read this. God himself has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down, nor relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. Put that on your refrigerator if you think I ain't got nobody. Oh, you got somebody. The Lord, one of the most encouraging verses in all of Bible. Greek scholars tell us this verse has five negatives in it. It's like it's saying, I will never, no, not never, no, never leave you nor forsake you. Take that and face the fear of your future. Take that and face your future with that. Praise the Lord. That's what God was trying to get him to. So he's trying to get him to see God's ability. Uh, He's not if, but when you bring the children of Israel out. And so uh, I could go on, but I got to hurry here. He says so. And he goes on and he says, uh, then Moses said to God in verse 13. If indeed I come to the children of Israel and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me. And they will say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to him? A lot of people are asking, what is his name today? And this, this is the, uh, the answer that God gives to Moses. I love this. Moses, uh, God says to Moses, I am who I am. So you will say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you. Oh, glory to God. This is my name. I'm skipping down. He said, this is my name forever. My memorial to all generations. I am the Lord, the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In other words, he's saying, I didn't just get started and wake up today and say something needs to happen. That's what he's saying. I've been working with your fathers. I've been working through, you know, your father Abraham. I've been working with Isaac. I worked with Jacob and I'm here to work with you. Hallelujah. He said, you tell them the same God. The very same God that brought a man who was as good as dead and made him the father of many nations. The very same God who found the way to supply in the middle of famine. The very same God that turned a deceiver. A deceiver. Woo, he used a deceiver named Jacob. And he used him. To bring about. Oh, he took those spotted calves and, and I mean, uh, uh, whatever they were, not calves, they were uh, go- goats, goats, and he made them to be a supply for a man who had turned things back, but God took Jacob and gave him a heritage of faith. Glory to God. I mean, forever he's known as the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, my name forever, the great I am. I love this. He's not the great I was. I love this, 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 pre- this word that Tyndall's commentary. It says this, God in all of subsequent Israelite history, God would be known as the one who brought Israel out of Egypt. The revelation of this name, therefore, is not merely a deep theological truth. It is a call to the response of faith by Moses and by Israel. In other words, he's not just the God who is or the God who acts. He is the God who is present. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Oh, glory to God. I'll skip over that. And then he gets over here in Exodus uh, chapter 4, verse 1. And he says, I know I'm uh, skipping over a little bit. He says, uh, but uh, he says, so what does he say at first? He said, who am I? Then he said, what shall I say? What was the answer? You tell him I am that I am has sent you. You tell him the God who is present, not just with the ones that live before you, but the ones that's living right now. I'm here to... To deliver you just like I delivered them. And then he gets to uh, chapter 4 verse 1. And I love this. Moses answered him. What, listen to what he says. What if they don't believe me? You ever have that question come? Oh, I'm not going to tell them about God or about this. Because they might not believe it. That's not a question that's not been asked before. 
What if they don't believe me? What if actually what you really should say and be thinking is, what if they do? Because one man who believes God in the midst of a multitude of pagan followers can shift everything. The devil knows it. That's why he hopes you won't say nothing. I don't care if you can sing, dance, and talk. Somebody might eat you for lunch if you don't. The devil will try to do it if you don't say something. Oh, you just found out, realized why I said that. What if they don't believe me? Uh, um, uh, this is what um, uh, uh, Dale Carnegie said. I love this. He said, he, he, he's a, a you know, self-improvement uh, uh, writer, and he, he ta- often talks about the t- power of action. He said, it's easy to let our small doubts and anxieties balloon into overwhelming fears because we allow them too much time and space to grow rather than taking action to face them. He said, if you want to conquer fear, do not sit home and think about it. Go out and get busy. Come on now. Yeah, get a rock, David. If you want to conquer fear, don't sit home thinking, what if they don't? What if it doesn't work? What if it does? What if it does? What if it does? Uh, what if they do believe me? The best way to grow in faith is to do what God is asking you to do. Oswald Chambers said it like this. Don't try to explain, explain God until you have obeyed him. The only... The only part, listen, wait, let me finish. The only part of God you understand is the part you have obeyed. Oh, that's so good. Don't try to explain God until you have obeyed him. The only part of God you understand is the part you have obeyed. Come on, come on, come on. We don't need you. Uh, what was it? Uh, the founder of the Salvation Army. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, William Booth. He said most uh, uh, organizations would like to send their workers to Bible school for five years. I would like to send my workers to hell for five minutes. He said that would be all it would take to give them a lifetime of compassion and concern for a dying world. Come on now. Don't tell me. Come on, get out and live what God has given you. And then you'll have an experience. I'm telling you, it won't matter who's trying to talk you down. You'll have an experience that'll carry you through a lifetime. I don't care if you can quote the word. I want to know how much of it you've obeyed. Praise the Lord. Oh, God, listen. Okay, you can sit down. Oh, you can sit down. uh, So, uh, what did he say? He said, what if they don't believe me? And it's like God is telling him, what if they do? He tells him, he says, he's already told him the plan's going to work. Not when you bring them out, but if you bring them out. You know, he's already told you the plan is going to work. What did he say in Philippians 4, 19? I will supply all your need according to my riches in glory. What did he say in Hebrews 13? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So you can boldly proclaim the Lord. So I need help. The Lord is your helper. What did he say in Philippians 4, 13? I can do all things through Christ who gives me his strength. Come on, there's nothing. there. Whatever he was talking about living in the middle of challenges. And he said, there's nothing that's harder, too hard for me because I'm drawing on the resources of the one who is greater than that. Hallelujah. Oh, God told Moses to throw down his stick. He picks it back up. It turns into a snake. He takes it. And he, this is what he does. He says, and then he, he, he puts his hand in his, uh, you know, inside his, his jacket. He takes it out. It's leprosy. He puts it back in and it's pure and clean. In other words, he's talking to him. He's saying, do you know who I am? What if they don't believe me? He said, I'm God all by myself. I'm not just trying to do something you can do. You're going to do something only I can do. Hallelujah. The same God who appeared to Moses that day is the same God who's at work in you this hour. Hebrews 13, 8 says he is the same yesterday, today. Oh, praise.
praise the Lord, I'm, I'm almost done. But he says, he gets over here and he says, and then he gets into verse. That's what uh, the Lord is saying. He gets into verse 10 and he says to him, Moses says to the Lord, Oh Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. In other words, he said, I don't just have a problem I just started having. I've had this problem all my life. I'm not real good at talking. I'm not real good, he said. He said, I'm slow of speech and tongue. He said, and the Lord, I love how God says to him, who made your mouth? Who made your mouth? Who gives sight? Who is it? Or the deaf, the mute, the lie. He said, is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. Don't be talking to me about how bad somebody, I mean, how good somebody else can do over you. Let me tell you something. If God, you know, how many of you have heard the scripture? uh, You know, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. You know, Brother Hagin, that was one of his favorite scriptures. And you know what? What he is saying is, you can plant it, you can water it, but if God's not right in the middle of it, nothing will happen. But if God is in the middle of it, you watch what you planted, what someone else watered, it's gonna increase. When God gets in the middle of it, he causes it to live. He causes it to grow. Come on, God gets in the middle of your inabilities. What did we read this morning? Oh, come on. I'll read it again to you. He said, uh, most people, oh, where is it? Many Christians estimate difficulties in light of their own resources and thus attempt little or often fail in the little they attempt. All God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on his power and his presence with them. Hudson Taylor, this is not an assignment for extra credit. This is your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, it's not my gift. He said, I have a problem. God says, I have no problem with your problem. That's basically what he said. That's basically what he said. I have no problem. Everybody has something that if they let it will stop them from saying yes. But if you know the truth, if you know the truth, freedom reigns where it wants bondage. I love the passion translation of John chapter 8, verse 31. If you embrace the truth, it will release true freedom in your life. Come on now. Come on now. Oh, glory to God. All right, let me get to this last one. I love this because this is how it ends up. Because I know, I know that there are people in here right now who are going to say this when they consider doing something God is asking them to do. He says in verse uh, uh, verse 13 of Exodus chapter three, th- uh, 4, sorry. He said, oh my Lord, please, oh my Lord. He wasn't southern, but he was acting like it. Oh my Lord, send someone else. You know, that's the King James. Please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. One tra- the paraphrase. Oh my Lord, just send someone. Listen to me. Now you think if they could just hear the right thing, if they could just be exposed to the presence of God. Moses has just been on a path where he met with the very presence of God. You talk about a Holy Ghost and fire service, the voice of the living God speaking to him, calling his name. I'm here to tell you. And Moses is still saying, could you send someone else? Don't tell me you can't say that. Daisy Osborne, T.L. Osborne's wife said, Lice, uh, let me see if I wrote it up here. Lice, uh, I want to read it to you. Uh, the deepest issue in life is committing yourself unreservedly to Christ's great calling. The deepest issue in life is committing yourself unreservedly to God's great calling. Now Moses, and don't ever look back. Moses is about, if, if God leaves Moses' words there, we will be 
not reading some things we know about Moses. What, what if Moses, what if, what if God had let him say, uh, you know, I'm not going to do it. What would have happened to a generation of slaves? Come on now, you say, well, it doesn't matter what I do. You know, I know you may think it's, don't take it lightly. Don't take it lightly. Because a pre-appointed moment in history, God has a plan. No problems, only plans, and you are an answer to that problem. Oh, send someone else, but God, I love this, but we don't read where God says, okay, basically, I love how in my Bible, my, my, uh, my, uh, spirit filled life Bible, right after this conversation, you know, and God's answer to him was, uh, um, uh, you know, he's saying, send someone else, you know, uh, uh, the, and God's telling him, I know Aaron can speak better. I'll be with him. I'll teach you what to do. God will help you. In other words, he'll help you with whatever you need. But I love this because the very next sec- next section in my Bible simply says Moses goes to Egypt. He said, I don't want to go, but he changed his mind. Moses goes to Egypt. And because Moses goes to Egypt, what he did in, is described in Hebrews chapter 11. And I believe this is the passion, uh, Hebrews eleven twenty three through 29. Faith enabled Moses to choose God's will. For although he was raised as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, he refused, and you will have to refuse some things, to to make that his identity. Hot dog, brother. I said he refused to make that his identity. What is it that's holding you and making you think you can't do it? He refused to make it his identity. Choosing, he refused and he chose Instead, to suffer mistreatment with the people of God. You mark it down. When you say yes to God, you will be saying no to something else. Moses preferred faith's certainty above the momentary enjoyment of sin's pleasures. He found his true wealth in suffering abuse for being anointed. More than anything the world could offer him. For his eyes looked with wonder, not on the immediate, but on the ultimate. Faith's great reward. Holding faith's promise, Moses abandoned Egypt. He refused, he chose, and he abandoned. That means we ain't living close to this anymore. No, we ain't living close to this anymore. I have left that place, abandoned, forsook, and had no fear of Pharaoh's rage because he persisted in faith. Woo, you better get those words. I got them in, I got them, you know, whatever you call it, yellow. He refused, he chose, he abandoned, and he persisted. He persisted in faith as if he had seen God who was unseen. Faith stirred Moses to perform the rite of the Passover, sprinkle lamb's blood to prevent the destroyer from harming their firstborn. Faith opened the way for the Hebrews to cross the Red Sea as if on dry, uh, dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to cross it, they were swallowed up and drowned, never to be seen again. Canceled. Woo! Glory to God. Now I'm going to read you this because I want you to get this in your heart. Oh, praise the Lord. I, I uh, just like this, this story of those questions and answers that Moses had. I heard this from Pastor Hagen. I don't even remember. It was at a camp meeting. And I know it was one of those moments in my life where I was having to choose to abandon and persist. And he, he, uh, he read this story uh, about someone, and this person he, he read it about, his, his name was Borden, William Borden. He was greatly influenced by a man named John Mott, who was a great missionary statesman, who when he was offered by President Calvin Coolidge the ambassadorship to Japan, and this was the mid-1920s, we're talking 100 years ago, he said, Mr. President... 
Since God called me as a student to be an ambassador of his, my ears have been deaf to all other calls. When the Standard Oil Company was looking in the Far East for a man to represent them, they offered John Mott the job at an impressive salary at that time of $10,000 a year. This is over 100 years ago. He turned it down. They offered him 25000 He turned it down. They offered him 50000 This was in 1920s. They offered him 50000 He turned it down. The Standard Oil executives asked him, what's wrong? Oh, your price is all right, Mr. Mott replied, replied, but your job is too small. God has called me to be his missionary. And this is a man who, who influenced a man, William Borden, in 1909 at the age of 21. He was the heir to the Borden dairy fortune. And given his inheritance by his parents, he was a young man ready to take on the world. They felt he would invest it wisely, and he did. He fell on his knees and began to pray, Lord, what should I do with all this money? The Lord led him to give it to mission, millions of dollars in 1909. He obeyed God's leading to the great distress of his parents. Ordained at 25 on September 9th, 1912, Borden offered himself for the China Inland Mission. Upon his acceptance, he sailed for Cairo, Egypt, proposing to study Arabic in North Africa before going to his work among Chinese Muslims. But in Egypt, he contracted a meningitis and died in 1913. He was only 26 years old. Now, try, uh, uh, when he was uh, uh, trying to decide what to do with his life before he had gone, he had uh, begun to seek God, and in the front of his Bible, he had written, no reserve. God had led him to be a missionary after he graduated from Yale University. He left his family, all the comforts of home, and under no reserve, he had then written, no return. Greatest issues in life are giving yourself unreservedly to the great call of God. He said, no return. En route to his destination in Africa where he had stopped and contacted the deadly disease. Uh, when his body uh, was returned to his parents, they found his Bible clasped in his hands. And upon opening it, they immediately saw the words, no reserve, no return, each dated at the time of the entry. But now underneath this, dated two days before he breathed his last breath, he had written, no regret. No reserve, no return, no regrets. This moment in history, it's your moment to decide what are you going to do with the call of God? And you say, well, I'm not called to do this or that. You know what? That's what Moses thought. And I'm not here to decide what you are to do, but I can guarantee you this. You're here to do something. You're here to do something. You're here. And I don't know what shaped your life. I don't know what hurt, disappointment. What are you doing? I don't know what it is that you think has defined your identity. But I do know this. When you choose to say yes to God and you persist in what he has asked you to do, it will not just fulfill your life. It will fulfill a generation's, the call. What did God tell Moses? I hear the cry and I have come down to deliver them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Uh, Cindy. Praise the Lord. Oh, glory to God. With all boldness, we pray. What? Praise the Lord. I don't know. It's, there's a, there's like a punch in the spirit. Right in the middle of all of your life, God is moving in. It's
speaking to you about things. And you got to choose. What are you going to do with what he's saying to you? Je chante louange à ton nom. In French, it sounds like this. Seigneur, louange à ton nom. Car ton nom est grand et digne d'être loué. you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.